episode 38, chapter 4 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Chris Lambert. And I'm Josh Havens. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. And today, we're wrapping up our conversation with Jeff and Sid Holsklaw about their book, Does God Really Like Me? Sid and Jeff are both pastors at Vineyard North in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Sid is also a ministry and life coach and a spiritual director. And Jeff is an affiliate professor of theology at Northern Seminary and is the co-author of Prodigal Christianity. They have been married for 20 years and have two teenage boys. Earlier this week, Sid and Jeff reminded us that God is always pursuing us. In fact, he's always making the first move to find us where we are and bring us back into relationship with him. But sometimes he uses the distance that exists between us and him to do a work in our lives. This is exactly what the people of Israel experienced during the exile. It's a reminder for us that God's work is always redemptive. It's always meant to bring us back to him. And he will use whatever situation we find ourselves in to accomplish that goal of redeeming us. In this chapter, Sid and Jeff walk us through the ways that God's taught them about his redemptive work. And it may just be the best news you've heard today. You tell this story that I think is so beautiful about a time when you go shopping that I think demonstrates this idea of shame and then restoring um, uh, joy in relationship, um, especially back to a child, so well. Can you tell us that story, though, of of what happened when you, you went shopping and... Anybody who's gone shopping with children know that there's always an embarrassing <laughs> incident that happens. And, and so then all yeah. that shame wells up. And what did that, I, I think that story will really demonstrate how accessible this book really is though. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was just, so I was grocery shopping once at Trader Joe's, which is actually a pretty pleasant place to shop. Um, but it was at that age where my kids were, you know, wanting to walk Well, my older one was wanting to walk on his own. And so I had the younger one in the cart, the older one's walking around and, you know, you turn to look at something for just a second and the older one has wandered away. And I kind of look to see, and there's, you know, a Trader Joe's employee looking at me like, is this your kid? And I kind of had that, I think shame hit me already then just assuming that something bad must be happening. And nobody wants to feel like that parent who can't control that crazy kid, um, so I kind of walk over and, you know, yes, he says, you know, you're, I just wanted to show you, just want to make sure you know what your son is up to. And he shows me this, this refrigerated pizza. And my son had been squishing all of the cheese through the plastic because I mean, how good must that have felt on his yep. fingers? <laughs> and so he's smushing all the cheese and I was like, oh, I am so sorry. And I instantly felt terrible, you know, like I've damaged, we damaged merchandise, Um, I, I don't know why he thought this was okay. Um, and I just said, I'm so, so sorry. And the guy's like, oh, it's no big deal. I just wanted to make sure that you, you know, you knew. And, and I mean, he was so nice about it, but all I could hear was you're a bad mom and you weren't keeping track of your kid. And that's not at all what he was conveying, but that's what I was internalizing. And so immediately I sort of grabbed my son by the hand and like, you know, come on, we need to go, you know, and because I didn't want to have to make a second trip to the grocery store, I made the mistake of saying, we're going to finish this shopping trip. And the whole time we're walking through the store, my son is just miserable. He's totally quiet. He's not saying anything. He won't look at me. 
Um, he's just sort of holding on to the shopping cart with this very sort of downcast posture and look on his face. And I can tell that he's not okay, but I'm mad because he embarrassed me and I'm frustrated and I feel ashamed. And so we finish the shopping trip. We go out into the parking lot and as we're walking across the parking lot, he just says, I don't ever want to go to Trader Joe's ever again. And he just burst into tears. And it was in that moment that I was like, I cannot believe that I let him just stew in that shame for so long because I was slightly embarrassed that he had like, you know, damaged this pizza. So I just felt awful that in my own shame, I had disconnected from him and I had left him alone in his shame. And so just in the, I just got down in the parking lot and I just looked at him and I said, Oh honey, I am so sorry. I'm not mad at you. It's okay. Like, I love you. I'm so glad I get to be your mom. And I just gave him a hug. And then it was like, that was kind of like the, the restorative moment of we're okay. So we were in this place of shame where neither one of us were really happy to be with each other because he was embarrassing me and I was, you know, being cold and distant. And then we just had this, you know, beautiful moment. And I have found that actually it's those moments when you turn away from the disconnection and you seek the connection back. Those are some of the sweetest moments as a parent, Mm -hmm. whether it's my kid who feels disconnected from me and then comes and says, I'm so sorry, or whether it's me that goes to them and says, I'm so sorry. It's those moments. It's just like, those those restorative redemption moments are so sweet. You have this idea in the book where you talk about exile, and it goes along with this idea that we have to sort of measure up, and you know um, God's waiting just right there to get us if we mess up. But you actually say that exile is not a sign of God's punishment, but it's a sign of resurrection. What does that mean? Because yeah, that's radical. So I was I was like we were working on this chapter like this. I'm trying to get a lot of big ideas into a short chapter. And, um, you know, the, the whole story of the exile, you know, it kind of plays out through Jeremiah, um, parts of Isaiah, like all of Ezekiel, right? So you get all these things, this idea that, that Israel, uh, because of their sin, because of abandoning the covenant and the promises that God had given to them, choosing the way of death, as we talk about, um, that, that in one sense, God kind of had this dilemma which was Israel was supposed to be uh, a people that was supposed to proclaim and teach all the other nations what God's character was like, that God was a God of life and a God of love, that they were supposed to dwell and in in one sense protect and preserve his presence among the nations. But instead they started acting like all the nations. They adopted all their idols and worship practices and they were abusing the poor. They're being unjust in their courts and their, their kings were leading them away. And so God had this like that, like, Israel, you're lying about my character in the world. You're lying about who I am. You're lying about my life and my goodness. And so what am I going to do? I need to, and Ezekiel especially talks about this idea of profaning the name of God. And so God says, well, if you've chosen the path of death, then I'm just going to let you walk the path of death. And that's the idea of exiles that the people um, kind of get what they wanted, which is we don't really want you, God. We want all the other stuff. And so God his presence leaves dramatically in the book of uh, Ezekiel. I think it's chapter 10. Um, and that's a symbol of God's protection leaving also. And so they're overrun by foreign nations and they're taken off into slavery. Um, but I was really thinking and praying through like, how, how do we, how do we kind of talk about this? It, and what I came up with or what the spirit of the Lord was, you know, telling me was, well, God, God's usually waiting for the second thing. It's usually not the first thing. And I think a lot of times in our lives we focus on the first thing God does or maybe doesn't do that we want him to do. 
And then we totally miss the second thing, which is um, that God is actually the God of life. And so even though he lets his people, in a sense, enter into death, um, that was so he could prove to all the other nations, hey, look, I'm going to bring my people back from the dead, back from exile, back from being scattered, and bring them back into the land. And then all the nations will know and Israel will know that I am God, that I am the Lord. And that's kind of a precursor to what really happens with Jesus on the cross, is that all of us, all of humanity have been in the, the land of death, of sin, by our own volition, or by our own choice, being slaved to these things. And God says, hey, I need to hand you over to judgment because you've chosen the way of death. Like this is, you know, I'm giving you what you asked for. But God doesn't, that's his first moment. The judgment is the first moment. But the second thing is God says, I don't want dead people. I want alive people. That's my whole purpose here. And so Jesus goes into the very realm is what we call like the kingdom of death to redeem the dead, uh, to forgive our sins, to overcome all that debt, however you talk about that, and bring us back to life. And so the, the exile, but also ultimately the cross is a picture of the first thing is death. But the second thing is always life, which is what God wants for us. That's great. I, I've never looked at the exile that way, but it makes a ton of sense because some of the things that you see happening in the people of God after they're sent off to exile is that they start to miss and crave uh, the presence of God that they've been missing. And so, yes. and so you get psal like, psalms like Psalm 41 and 42, where uh, the psalmist is saying, like the deer pants for water, I, I crave your presence that much. I remember what it was like to to worship. I remember what it was like to be in your presence. And now my soul is downcast. I, I, mm. I, I miss that. Um, and so, oh yeah, that's just a, that's a great way of looking at the exile. I love that. Yeah. And it, you know, it reminds me of that study that you did that God, all of God's judgments in oh, the yeah. end are for the purposes of redemption. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not out of, uh, anger and, and hatred not, for his it's people. It's not purely punitive. It's always yes. for some kind of redemptive purpose. Yeah. Yeah, it's restorative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And so uh, anyway, I think that's uh, uh, another one of those promises to hang our hats on is that, you know, no matter what we're going through, uh, whether it's because of our own decisions to walk away from the presence of God um, or I think just particularly hard trials in times of life, not all the th hard things that we go through in life are because, um, you know, we're lacking the presence of God or, y you know, life is hard, but we can rest assured, I think, that um, Christ will meet us in those circumstances and we can find joy in there and that he will use those circumstances uh, for our redemption. Well, it takes us back to what we were saying at the beginning that uh, what you guys were saying at the beginning, God is the God who continues to pursue us. Um, you know, that study you were talking about, I was primarily looking at uh, the book of Revelation, and you see how after each one of the rounds of uh, judgment and wrath that are poured out, you get these statements, and still they did not repent. And so I, we often look at these uh, <laughs> great fiery tribulations and, and judgments that God, God pours out as God dumping out his wrath on the, uh, the people of the world who hate him who don't want anything to do with him <laughs> but then you get these statements and still they did not repent which gives a purpose to everything that he's doing there he's trying to bring them back into his presence he's pursuing that relationship mm -hmm. with them uh and that's why i love uh why revelation 21 and 22 end with and now the presence of god is with man yep 
absolutely find ourselves at home as you guys talk about um is there anything that we haven't hit that you really want to hit about the book or emphasizing this idea that God really does like us. I mean, he loves us, of course, and that's sort of that head knowledge idea. But for some reason, when we use the word God likes us, that, that seems to be getting in the area of that moving down into the heart for God to like us. Um, anything that we've missed that you guys really want to hit? I think I just want to make sure that anybody who's listening who feels like, oh, wow, they're talking about a lot of stuff that's, you know, kind of it's kind of out there. It's kind of big. Just want to say we've really tried to write it in such a way that it's accessible and readable for anyone. You don't have to have a theological background. You don't have to have gone to seminary. Um, we're just hoping to open up the Bible in a in a in a fresh and God with us kind of way that we hope is accessible for everyone. Um, and then I would just want to say if you are going, you know, we really hope you would read the book. But if if you're going to read the book, to really read it slowly and to take the time at the end of each chapter to really sit with. The, the exercise that we offer and the reflection questions, and we've got a couple songs in there to help you reflect. But I guess I just want to say it's accessible. Mm -hmm. It's not like super heady theological. Yeah. So I just want to say that and, we hope it's readable. And I, I think, I guess my, the last that I would like us to share is from Luke 15, um, where Jesus tells two par uh, three parables. Um, and he, and he shares them because he kind of got in trouble because he's always hanging out with sinners, right? So he's always pursuing sinners and they keep seeming to have a good time. And so the religious authorities are kind of frustrated. They're like, doesn't he know he's eating with sinners? And so it seems like wherever Jesus goes, especially among the sinners, like a party is breaking out. And so Jesus tells these three parables um, to kind of explain the situation. The first one is the parable of the lost sheep, you know, where he leaves the 99 and he goes searching for the lost sheep. But we often, you know, focus on that, you know, the lost sheep and how it goes. And we forget, like, again, the purpose statement is when he, you know, when he finds the lost sheep, he calls together all of his neighbors and he throws a party and he says, rejoice with me, right? This is the idea of joy. I found my lost sheep. And then Jesus says, in the same way, the heavens rejoice over every lost sinner. Mm -hmm. And then he talks about the parable of the lost coin. And when the woman finds her coin, he says the same thing. She gathers her friends and relatives and they throw a party. Rejoice with me for I found this, you know, precious coin that I'd lost. And then he says again, heaven's rejoicing in the same way. And then you get the really long and well-known parable of the lost son, um, which ends with the father throwing a party, bringing together the whole town saying, rejoice the thing that was dead back to this idea of death and life. My son who was dead now has been brought back to life with for us. Uh, and so can we, you know, in our devotional life and our prayer life, um, can we just sit and just even dare to believe that somewhere in heaven, God is smiling over us right now. And I think that, and maybe the first 10 times we try that, we think it's stupid. But maybe one day our hearts will actually start believing that and then we can start living out of that space and then maybe we'll find that following Jesus is more delightful than burdensome. Mm -hmm. And so that is so read Luke 15 one more time and look for the rejoicing and the joy in it. Yeah. And one last thing there is that, you know, when the son does come back, he begs his father to let him be a slave mm -hmm. in the household. And his father says, nope, instead, here's my ring. Here's don't my we all robe. Do that? Yeah. Like, so we don't have to grovel and be slaves. God says, no, you're still my beloved child and everything I have is yours. Sid and Jeff, where can people go to find out more about what you guys are doing and to get a copy of this book? Well, the book is sold where all books are sold. So it's on Amazon and several other booksellers. And to find out more about, we have a podcast called the God With Us podcast. 
And uh, we also have, you can go to the website, does God really like me dot <laughs> com. Just had to make sure it wasn't org. Um, and you can find out more about the book there. And then uh, Jeff has a blog at jeffreyholsclaw.net. <laughs> and I am, I have a Facebook page that's public. And I also have a LinkedIn profile, which is super exciting, right? LinkedIn is so exciting. Um, and yep. Jeff is also on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. Yep. And I, we will have links to everything I in the show notes. I can't notes, be that so short. We will I make talk sure too much. that everybody can go over there <laughs> um, and find so you guys you and begin a conversation you have any other with you as well. They can find so. us that I'm not thinking of. Nope. You can find our podcast wherever yes. podcasts can be found. Spotify, iTunes, <laughs> Google, just like yours, just like this one. But it is, it is Jeff with a G. G-E-O-F-F. For all of us who are a little older, it's like the oh. Toys R Us giraffe. Yeah, I should probably say... and. And Sid is C-Y-D. So there you go. We both have names that are not quite as easy to spell. So That's right. Well, Jeff and Sid, thank you guys so much for being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having us. It was a lot thank of fun. You. I hope that after listening to our conversation with Jeff and Sid this week, you walk away with the understanding that your shame is rooted in the separation you feel from God. Our shame then causes us to act in ways that are contrary to God as a way of soothing our shame. But this just leads to more shame. But it doesn't have to be this way. God wants to restore your joy by entering into a relationship with you. No matter what sins you may have committed in the past or what battles you may be currently fighting, God wants to dwell with you in the midst of those battles because he loves you and he likes you. The question is, will you let him? Will you be vulnerable enough to face your shame and open your heart to the one who loves you unconditionally? You may not always feel it, but that's why we need to remind ourselves of God's love each and every day by spending time in his presence and practicing gratitude. So I want to encourage you, if you are struggling with feelings of shame and feel disconnected from God, to pick up a copy of Jeff and Sid's book and begin a daily practice of spending time with God going through each chapter and the reflections they have at the end. God does not want you to live in isolation from him or from others. He wants to restore you. He wants to give you joy. He wants to dwell with you because he likes you and he loves you. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Sid and Jeff's work, check out DoesGodReallyLikeMe.com. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation, where we talk about the way this week's conversation has shaped our own lives. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to DailyGrowthDiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. 
You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify.